0: We're looking at James chapter 1 today, and uh, I believe if you're using the Bibles in the seats, you'll find that on page 854. However, there's a chance it's page 845, because I just looked it up and I sometimes get numbers switched around in my head. Believe it or not, I used to be a math teacher, so I don't know how that works. But anyway, it's around there within nine pages. 850-ish, give or take a few. James chapter 1. Well, it's the Sunday before Christmas. Who knows how many days until Christmas? Five. Five days. But we're getting really close. We're, we're deep into the season. The expectation is building. Lots of presents are already hidden away in the usual hiding places. It's finally getting cold a little bit, so it feels like Christmas, although I don't think it's going to stay cold which isn't all bad either. Um, The credit cards have been charged, (laughs) the cookies are being baked, the decorations are up, the calendars are full of parties. So let me ask you, where are you looking for happiness this Christmas? Are you looking in the hustle and bustle and the lights and the energy of the season? In time with loved ones? In a special relationship you have or you wish you had? In the cozy feelings, the nostalgia, and the traditions of the holidays? Are you looking in the feelings of safety and warmth and peace that we try to feel, that we want to feel at this time of year? Are you looking in the delicious food? Are you looking in the gifts and the presents? Where are you looking this Christmas? Well, today's passage is telling us this. It's saying, look up. The place to look This Christmas is up. Take time this holiday season to look up. Why? Because verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Look up. Will you do that with me, literally, right now? Why? Because every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of the heavenly lights. All right, you can look down now. (laughs) Why do we so often forget that? Why do we not believe that and look everywhere else for happiness but up? I think one reason is because we've been disappointed. Life is hard. We've been hurt. And if God loves us, If God is good, if God is in control of this world, why has he allowed these bad things to happen? James's first readers, those to whom this letter was originally written, felt this same way. They had been hurt and they were suffering. Repeatedly through his letter, James mentions the trials and the struggles that he knew his readers were going through. Chapter 1, verse 2, he exhorts them, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And verse 12, he adds, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Over in chapter 5, verse 10, he counsels, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets. And in 5 verse 13, he says, If anyone among you, is anyone among you in trouble, then let them pray. James' readers knew what it was like for life to be hard. They knew what it was like to, to hurt, to, to be disappointed. And, and, and how do people feel about God when, when God lets bad things happen to us? Well, often we wonder if God is really good. We doubt that that he really has our best interests at heart, and, and we question whether he really cares for us. I remember a time in my twenties when when I was really depressed, I was probably clinically depressed for a year or more, and, and God just seemed so far off, and, and it felt like like god didn 't care; it felt like God had completely forgotten me. And and if we're going through a really significant trial like this real pain real trauma like like perhaps some of James's readers were if we're hurting that badly we we might take it even a step further and in our anger and in our grief we might suspect that God is causing our trial to try to cause us to fall to to provoke us maybe even to turn against him and James cautions against this tendency in verse 13. When tempted, he says, no one should say God is tempting me. Now I need to point out um, about something about the word um, translated tempt here in this verse, in verse 14. And that is that it's the same Greek word root translated trials in verses 2 and 12. Trials, temptations, tried, tempted, same Greek word root. But it it could have two different nuances, and depending on the nuance, in English, we translate it differently. We translate it trial or or temptation. So let's think about these two things, which are the same word in Greek, but we translate them differently in English. First, trials. Trials squeeze us. And when we're squeezed, what comes out? Does something sweet come out? (laughs) Um, Patience, perseverance, faith gratitude or when we're squeezed does something sour come out (laughs) crankiness fear frustration anger what comes out when we're squeezed trials squeeze us and in squeezing us they test us to see what we're made of temptations do the same thing they squeeze us to test us too The only difference with temptations is that when temptations test us, they do it in hopes that we will fail the test. They're they're trying to turn us into a lemon. (laughs) Temptations squeeze us in such a way that they hope that what comes out is sour and bitter and rotten. So here's what James wants us to know. God will allow us to face trials, to test us, to squeeze us, to see what we're made of. But God will never tempt us. In other words, God's motive in testing us it is never to make us fail. It's always in hopes that we'll pass the test. Does that make sense? Good. James adds in, in verse 13, For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Sure, God allows us to go through trials, but we should never think when God does that that God is not good. We should never think when God does that God is seeking to trip us up or to make us fall. God is not like that, James says. God is good. In fact, God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And so if God is not tempting us, then, then why do we get tempted? Especially when we're experiencing t- trials, when we're, when we're being squeezed, why are we tempted? Why are we tempted w- when we're squeezed for, for what is not good to come out? Why are we tempted to drip bitterness and, and anger and selfishness and to drip impatience? Well, James says that temptation comes from our desires. Verse 14, each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and and they're enticed. Now, one more technical point we have to look at here about the, the Greek that James uses. My translation says it's our evil desires that tempt us, but that word evil is not in the original text. The translators put it there because they figure obviously not all desires are evil and We we can have good desires. Good desires won't lead us into temptation. Only evil desires will. But James doesn't actually differentiate between our evil desires and our good desires. James just blames our temptations on our desires. He he says it's our desires that, that drag us away. It's our desires that entice us. And I think this is because James knows that our desires, while not bad in themselves happen to be unruly children. (laughs) They're kind of like, our our desires are kind of like the cat in the hat and thing one and thing two, if, if you know that story. Our desires can be good. They can be delightful and positive. They can seek and enjoy good, clean fun. But the problem is our desires don't know when enough is enough. They don't know where the boundaries are. Our desires don't know when to stop. And they are never satisfied. And so, for instance, our desire might be, uh, you know, wanting a nice drink or two, and, and maybe that's all well and good, no harm done. But what's to stop our desires when they want the fourth or the fifth or the sixth drink? And if we're married, maybe our desires uh, uh, crave uh, affection and attention from our spouse, and, and that's wonderful. But what if our spouse isn't available? What's to keep our desires from seeking that affection and attention from some other woman or man? You see, desires by themselves might be good or or they might not be good, but our desires have no regulator. They, They have no moral compass. They just want what they want and they're seldom satisfied. And so our desires wind up tempting us. And they especially tempt us when we're already being squeezed. When we're extra stressed. When we're extra lonely. And our desires are saying, feed me. I'm hurting. I need peace. I'm lonely. I need comfort. And so we're tempted to, to, to look for these gifts, e- even if we have to look in all the wrong places. James uses the words entice and drag away to explain what our desires do to us. Entice and drag away. The the analogy here is from fishing. To entice is to lure. You're you're like a fish and and you're hungry. And and you see that nice meal sitting there tempting you. and, and, And when you've gone for the bait, only then too late do you realize there's a hook there. And before you know it, you're being dragged away. You're being reeled in to places you don't want to go. That's what our desires do to us, James says. That's where they take us. And at this point, then James blends the fishing imagery with the imagery of sexual seduction. Not because that's the only temptation out there or even the main one, but just because it's a common one, which makes the point. A woman seduces a man, it could just as well be a man seducing a woman. She's luring him, she's enticing him, and then she's reeling him in. And then after she's caught him, James says, guess what? Before they know it, she's pregnant. She conceives and gives birth. And what does woman temptation give birth to? Sin. And sin, when it grows up, it gives birth to death. That's how we're tempted by our desires, James says, And we're especially tempted when we're being squeezed, when our stress level is high, when we're hurting or lonely, when we're going through trials, and and we wonder, where is God? And and we may think that God has abandoned us and, and that this is all God's fault, that we're hurting so much, that if God really loved us, he wouldn't be letting this happen. And so, so what? That we indulge a little. Can God really blame us? He got us into this situation. No, James says, it's not God's fault. God is good. It's your desires that are enticing you and leading you away. And what God is offering you instead is every good and perfect gift. So look up. James says, will you look up with me again this morning? Every good and perfect gift come from above. Above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. All right. But but here's the thing. When we look up, the gift that God is offering us may not be the gift that we desire. Instead, the gifts God is offering us may be the gifts which enable us to control our desires, to manage our desires. Because here's the thing about God. God, the Father, who gives every good and perfect gift, does not spoil His children. He loves His children, but He doesn't spoil them. God, or or rather, children raised by God never turn out to be spoiled brats. Because God is a good and wise Father. You see, spoiled children are, are never taught to say no to their desires. No, a spoiled child has a desire, and and what does the parent do? The parent satisfies the desire. Oh, you don't want vegetables? Okay, I'll fix you what you like instead. Oh, you really, really want that toy? Okay, don't worry, we'll get it for you. And and that child grows up, and that child never learns to say no to their desires. And so their desires are constantly enticing them and reeling them in, and, 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 and they have to have what they want. And if they never learn, what what happens as as these children mature? Well, they ruin their relationships because no one wants to live with a spoiled brat. And and they max out their credit cards because they think the world owes them everything they want. Their life becomes a train wreck because they have to have what they want. And even as adults, they they throw a grown-up fit if they don't get it. Why? Because they were never well-parented. Well guess what God doesn't parent that way. God loves his children. God loves them wisely and so God disciplines them. He teaches them that they can't always have everything that they desire. He teaches them to control their desires. He teaches them that it's more important to think of others. It's more important to share. It's it's more blessed to give than to receive. He teaches them that it's better to serve than to be served. What better gift could any parent give than to raise a child who's like this? A child who's content with what they have, who finds joy in what they have. A child who is a blessing to others. A child who's self-controlled and unselfish. And God is a father who delights to give every good and perfect gift. And sure, some of these gifts are, are just fun surprises which satisfy our desires. God likes to have a good time. He likes to delight us, to light up our faith, with, faith and our faith with good things. But many of the gifts God gives are aimed at maturing us into those kinds of people, mature people, generous people, good people. In fact, James mentions two specific good and perfect gifts that God loves to give. Two of them he mentions in chapter 1. One he mentions in verse 5, and that's wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. God who gives generously to all without finding fault. What's wisdom? What kind of gift is that? Well, wisdom is skill. It's skill at living life. It's, it's skill at living life well. Wouldn't you like to have the skill of living life well? <laughs> That's wisdom. Wisdom teaches us when to gratefully and thankfully fulfill our desires, and it teaches us when to say no to our desires. Wisdom knows how to weather trials uh, gracefully. Wisdom allows us to mature and to improve our character. That's the first gift James mentions. The second gift James mentions is in verse 18, new birth. God chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all that he created. New birth through the word of truth. What's new birth? It's a new heart. It's a new heart. A heart which actually wants wisdom. A heart which actually wants to grow up and to mature. Do you, has God given you that kind of heart? Has he given you a heart which wants to have a good father? A good God? A heart which... According to the word of truth, only Jesus Christ can give you wisdom and new birth. Those are just two of the good and perfect gifts that God delights to give his children. There are many more uh, gifts as well. You won't find them in stores or on Amazon. You won't find them under the tree. You have to know where to look for them. And James tells us where to look. He says, look up. Merry Christmas.